it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it is. And we are coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who did not meet with Vladimir Putin yesterday. Wow. Chinese President Xi Jinping visiting Moscow to show up his support for Russia. Well, back here in America, the military shoring up its support for gendered pronouns. I got a bad feeling about this. Not good. Uh, We're going to get into it as well as the latest in the prosecution of Donald J. Trump, who is accused of breaking campaign finance laws. It was made up by these sick people. We're going to get into it with Florida Representative Byron Donalds, who is in the House, as well as Federalist CEO Sean Davis. 888-788. 9910 if you want a part of today's show. Today's rules, the same as yesterday's rules, same as tomorrow's rules. A very straightforward program. You could be a Republican, you could be a Democrat, we really don't care. All we ask is that you don't be a There it is. Happy Wednesday, everybody. And we can report right now live a moment ago as I was walking to the studio. And you know what? If you're a liberal, if you're a member of the establishment media, you're going to want to sit down for this. Uh, But it was just announced a moment ago that the Trump grand jury has been canceled for today. I I really do mean this. Okay, this is not a spike the football show. (laughs) I always say, like, as venomous as our politics are, as divided as this country has become, as someone who wants to be a port in the storm, a place where people can reasonably disagree without hating each other and acting like a bunch of fat, spoiled children. Mom, he votes the other way than me. I want him canceled. Boycott his sponsors, Mom. He doesn't, he doesn't have the pronouns in his bio. He doesn't have the Ukrainian flag in his bio. I want him out of here, Mom, now. Now. What the hell is the world coming to? Okay, I hate that we do this. But today is a day you've really got to tread lightly. If you have someone liberal, if you're a friend with someone in the establishment media, the idea of indicting Donald Trump and getting him in handcuffs, even if it's bogus, even if he's not actually going to go to jail, even if there's no way this case is actually going to survive, you know, they're trying to upgrade a misdemeanor to a felony by attaching it to a federal law, both of which are already past their statute of limitations. That's stupid. Use your common sense. But you understand it meant so much to them to arrest Donald Trump. They've invested, I mean, like six years of their lives. This is their number one sexual turn on is Donald Trump in handcuffs. I love it when you talk dirty. Okay, believe it. You have no idea. I live in a liberal city. Oh, God. (laughs) They, like, hire hookers and ask them to dress up as Donald Trump in handcuffs. You have no idea how much the left wing of this country hates Donald Trump, which is why this idiot activist district attorney, Alvin Bragg, is on the verge of indicting him. Okay, he's spectacularly unpopular in a liberal city. Alvin Bragg is because his woke Bail reforms, his woke policies, have turned this place upside down. Everything woke turns to 
Totally. But rather than trying to fight crime and hold criminals accountable, a guy financed by George Soros, that's just reality, was like, well, what if we forget the actual violent crime where we've lowered 52 percent of violent felonies to misdemeanors? And what if we just fulfill their number one political sexual fantasy, which is Donald Trump at handcuffs? And that's what he has decided to do. This case, which was passed on by the feds, it was passed on by New York's previous district attorney, Cy Vance, was revived by Alvin Bragg because he was like, you know, if I just tr- charge Trump, you know, the case doesn't even need to win. Every liberal in New York will vote for me anyway because of how much they hate Trump. So that's what he has gone and done. And knowing that's the direction the wind was blowing in, knowing Trump had already kind of insinuated, not even insinuated, declared that he expected to be arrested and handcuffed this week, the liberals got so excited. Cause you don't understand. This is the moment. They're finally going to get Batman. Wrong. But you understand, for these people, they have been trying to get Batman since he came down the escalator. Do you remember the old Batman episodes, the TV shows, where you'd go to commercial and he was, like, tied up to the wheel of death? And you're like, oh, Batman ain't getting out of this one. And they'd come back from commercial and, whoa, Batman's punching people in the face. Pow. Blam! All those wacky sound effects, those campy graphics. Well, they're like, all right, fine, Russian collusion. Batman got off the wheel. But yo, not this Ukraine impeachment. He ain't getting out of this one. <laughs> the next thing you know, he's Batman's walking around punching people in the face. Blap! <laughs> Zam! It was like weird sound effects. They were very campy, you know? Then like, oh, the tax returns. We're going to get his tax returns. The man's going to die in prison. Look at Batman go! And he got out again. And then they impeached him over Ukraine a second time, excuse me, over January 6th. And now we were down after all of this to his payments to Stormy Daniels. Yes, he had sex with a porn star. Hubba, hubba. At least that's the accusation. He had sex with a porn star and he paid for her silence in the run up to the 2016 election. And they were consumed, convinced. They believed this was the time. This was the time. Lucy was going to finally let Charlie Brown kick the football once and for all. You must be crazy. When are you going to stop believing in something that isn't true? Now, to be clear, they could still wind up charging Trump. But the fact that they canceled today's festivities, and I do happen to be, wow, I do happen to have a source inside that courtroom uh, who says apparently Costello, he was the witness on Monday, may have shaken them. And they may be rethinking the idea of bringing charges against the United States president for the first time in the 246-year history of the country. That would be the right move. Now, we don't know that definitively. We know they were canceled for today. They canceled. They were supposed to indict him today with the expectation that he would surrender last week. Today's session has been canceled. It was supposed to include another witness And then they were ultimately supposed to negotiate some type of a deal with the Secret Service to bring Trump in to fingerprint him and get a mugshot that they would then immediately, and I mean immediately, leak that thing to the media. The media is a bunch of losers. Oh, man. You know, the double standard. It should bother you. It's not a defense of Trump's defense of America. So bad for America that we're even at the precipice of something like this. 
And you see the double standard play out in the media. Every investigation into Trump comes with a billion leaks. There's an investigation going on to the Biden family right now. Hunter's a dirtbag. Okay, his business partners say the Bidens were shaking down these companies and selling influence overseas. Are you the big man, Joe? But you know what we're not getting out of any of them? We're not getting any leaks from the government. Bingo. The Trump stuff leaks everywhere. I mean, when the Secret Service, when they raided Mar-a-Lago and they found classified documents, if you remember... The FBI itself actually carefully arranged the documents on the floor and then tweeted a photo to show everybody what was going on. That's right. This documents were so sensitive. It was such a imminent threat to America that he had them. That the Secret Service was able to photograph them and display them on Twitter. What the hell did you just say? Exactly. A little bit of a scam. Biden, if you remember wound up having them come to all of his properties. I don't remember that ever happening. But it did. And they found documents in his garage. They found documents in his office. They found documents at his office in the University of Pennsylvania. They wound up searching his Delaware Beach compound. Biden had classified documents everywhere. Dr. Seuss, on a train, on a plane, on a boat, on a goat, they were everywhere. Okay. But in this instance, you didn't get leaks. You didn't get a display of the photos, you know, a photo from the FBI over what they had seized. You didn't get historians on MSNBC tweeting pictures of the Rosenbergs and suggesting he should be executed as they did when Trump was found to have classified documents. The point is when there's a double standard, there's no standard. Okay, and when you treat a former president the way they have treated Trump, you don't need to be a Trump supporter to realize how bad that is for the country. In fact, you could just be the top analyst over at CNN. Here is Van Jones. Van Jones. Just not exactly running Mar-a-Lago monthly uh, in terms of publications. Uh, This is Van Jones saying he wouldn't be charging Trump right now. If anything, he would allow Georgia to go first, which is where Trump could also be indicted for his efforts in the aftermath of the 2020 election. But the point is he at least has the good sense to recognize that this is a bogus charge. I agree with that. And the reason... They're trying to steer clear of a bogus charge is because, again, Van Jones is no different than the rest of the liberals. He is sexually turned on by the idea of Trump going to jail. He loves it. Oh, God, it gets him so hot. But you understand if they bring this bogus charge first because Alvin Bragg is trying to boost his national profile and ingratiate himself in a one-party town, you understand when this charge falls on its face, a charge that is clearly politically motivated. When this charge falls on its face, it colors, it shadows every future charge as something that's politically motivated. You understand? That's what it does. It makes these other charges read like, oh, they didn't get them on this one, so they're just trying that one. It just looks like politics as usual. So Van Jones, knowing this one is flimsy, would at least like to go to bed tonight believing he has a shot down in Georgia. Does he have a shot down in Georgia? The answer would be no. No, that one's a scam too. But if Alvin Bragg moves to indict Trump and the thing falls on its face tomorrow, there's no point even trying in Georgia. So here is Van Jones, though, at least at least acknowledging the reality that prosecutors always want to win the first case. This is an old adage in the legal profession. If you're going to charge a guy on 12 things, you need to win the first charge that you bring because it establishes him as a criminal on the wrong side of the law in the eyes of future juries. If the first charge falls on its face, the second jury that hears charges against the guy 
is a little more susceptible, a little more impressionable when it comes to the narrative that this might just be some type of political motivation. So they need the first charge to work. Van Jones knows that. If they're ever going to get to this promised land of Trump in handcuffs, they got to go one for one out of the gate. Here is Van Jones speaking to that reality. Clip one. Anybody is a Republican and they have been afraid that there's some uh, conspiracy, some well-organized conspiracy <laughs> among progressives, uh, they can uh, relax now because you would not start with this charge. Uh, you would start with the charge in Georgia uh, where he was uh, interfering with elections. You would start with the charge that he was helping the insurrectionists in a coup. You wouldn't start with an eight-year-old porn star payoff. So it, it just, again, uh, this is proof, if nothing else, that the progressives are not very well organized. This is not the one you would start with. Okay. And he's not wrong that this isn't the one you would start with. But the fact that he's openly admitting progressives aren't terribly well organized is also in a roundabout way an admission that this is something that is happening because of progressives. I think he's got a point. Not because of the law, not because no one is above it, not because of equal standing in the eyes of the law. No, this is a progressive move. Okay, they want to see this happen. Here's the rest of his clip, clip two. It doesn't seem like the right way to go when you look at the history. It's not going to judge Donald Trump based on Stormy Daniels. It's going to uh, judge him based on the election. It's going to judge him based on the coup attempt, the insurrection. I think that uh, uh, if I were uh, Alvin, I would wait for Georgia to go first. Georgia, you have the president uh, calling in, trying to change an election. That seems to me the thing you start with, not this. No, Van Jones. Come on, man. Come on. Don't bullshit me. They don't have that on Trump. January 6th wasn't a coup. No one is being charged with attempting to overthrow the government. Do you understand that? Thousands of the people that were there were charged with parading. The most visible people there weren't. I mean, you talk about the guy in the, the QAnon shaman in the Chewbacca bikini, that guy. Okay, that guy, who if you saw the videos that were released, was walking all over the building. I'm not saying he should have been there. But he wasn't there to overthrow the government is the point. What the Democrats are doing right now is they're trying their emotions. They are putting the narrative on trial that they themselves created. That's the problem we have here. That's why Alvin Bragg shouldn't be handcuffing a United States president and sending us into Banana Republic territory over a garbage charge that would never get brought against anybody except Donald Trump. Correct the mundo. Because they're doing this from a place of emotion. When you're operating from a place of emotion, it denies you the self-awareness that would otherwise tell you, hey, you sound a little nuts right now. Sound a little crazy. Back it off. Dial it down. And the same thing goes for Georgia. Okay, Trump has previously been cleared in that call. And there's a reason whenever they bring up the fact, oh, he's going to get charged in Georgia. What do they do? They play you a six-second clip of a phone call that went on for 45 minutes. That's just how white folks will do you. Yeah, why do they do you that way? Because for those six seconds, you're like, oh, you heard what he said there in that half a sentence? Ooh, that sounds bad. But there's a reason they don't play the whole tape is they're trying to shape opinion. They're not trying to establish a fact. They're trying to shape an opinion so they can sell it. Okay, sell it to the media who can then put political pressure on these prosecutors who can then find people like that grand jury four person down in Georgia. Do you remember the girl who got on TV and rolled her eyes and she's a Wiccan witch and all the other stuff? Have you ever had a check? I don't think she has recently. Okay, but the point is. They're trying their emotions in the court of law, 
and it's going to take more than a motion to get a conviction in the court of law. They're about to learn this the hard way, as they did with Brett Kavanaugh. Remember, they flooded the zone with Brett Kavanaugh. They didn't have one credible accusation against the guy. No corroborating witnesses. The woman who brought the first charge and opened up the floodgates didn't know where it was, didn't know who was there, didn't know what year it happened or what house it happened in. But they ran forward with it anyway. They're crazy. And they're stupid. Okay, and we as a country can't stand by and watch stupid people lead us into the abyss because they don't know how to check their emotions. And I'm out here in the real world and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. Critics are calling it the funniest show on the radio. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I almost had it. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. If you're just joining us, they have canceled... They have canceled the Trump grand jury for today. We've got a reaction from MSNBC. People are crushed over this one. Now, it doesn't mean he's not going to get indicted. It doesn't mean they might not resume tomorrow. But my source in the courtroom says at the very least they are shaken up by the testimony from Costello, Michael Cohen's attorney, uh, who spoke to the grand jury on Monday. Uh, David is out in San Francisco, though. He's got a theory regarding Trump uh, that's altogether different than what we've been discussing. But, of course, every voice is welcome. Hello, David. Oh, hi, Jimmy. Yeah, I, um, if you know about the history of Donald Trump, mm-hmm. he lost in his own hometown by 86 percent. What are you saying in New York? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And New York is so liberal. Off uh-huh. So many people. You know, his employees, whether it was the doorman or the maid or the mm-hmm. painters or the mm-hmm. people that fixed broken windows, mm-hmm. he would never pay them. And then they would have to sue him and then would only get 30 percent of what they had, you know, they had done the hard work of mm-hmm. fixing his buildings. And and it wasn't just Trump Towers. Uh, I think his, what is his niece is married. Let me just, I don't want to lose you because we have 40 seconds. What does this have to do with the validity of the Stormy uh, Daniels case? Well, he's a welfare cheat as far as I'm concerned because he was trying to get the taxpayers to pay for his tryst. Well, he didn't pay for it, though. Hold on. He didn't use campaign money, though. Like Michael Cohen paid for it, pled guilty. He he tried to write it off as a legal expense. But what I'm saying is I'm not cutting you off so much as I'm going to lose you to commercial. But the claim, okay, that he's up against is that he used federal finance funds, but the check did not come from his campaign. So they think it might be legally dubious. You're entitled to your opinion here. I just want to make sure we have an accurate conversation for the listener. Five seconds from a commercial break. If you take David's side, you're welcome to call back. We're, We're here again right after this. Eight 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 seven eight eight nine nine one zero. If you want to be a part of this show today, we just had a caller on by the name of David from San Francisco, who took time out of his busy day as a San Franciscan of stepping over human turds on the sidewalk. 
Love San Francisco. Do not like what they've done with the place. It's very much a fixer-upper right now. Uh, but David was not a Donald Trump supporter, and I just want to reiterate that you're very welcome to take the same positions as David if you do want to call into the show. It is a talk show. We don't have to agree. But the point David was making as we lost him to a commercial break was a very similar point made by Sonny Hostin yesterday on The View. The View was awful. Sonny was saying that it should be an easy conviction against Trump because there would ostensibly be a paper trail. Here is the clip. It is clip 10. He's not going anywhere or or yet or prison. The people that are going to go protest are the ones that are going to get busted. I think he so remember, get... the guy at the top goes nowhere, and you are going to take the fall. I think he fall. will be in prison this That's time. I've point. been saying but... it for two years, but I really believe he's got four cases in four different jurisdictions, but... and a lot of them are paper trail cases. Do you know how easy paper trail cases are? That's what's Proof? interesting to me, because... Oh, shut up, woman. Okay, why? For two reasons. One, if we're really concerned with paper trail cases, at some point, should they not acknowledge the fact that when it comes to the Biden family, Obama gave them 150 suspicious activity reports from his Treasury Department? You want to talk about paper trail cases? We have 150 suspicious activity reports from the Obama administration saying the Bidens were getting money in a nefarious way. Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Except he's not in trouble because we don't really care about paper trails. But the problem for Sonny Hostin when it comes to the big sexual fantasy of prosecuting Donald Trump is that this is not a paper trail that has his name on it. Here is CNN legal analyst Ellie Honig, who kind of hates tr- Trump. Is like journalism is her... Side hustle. Hating Trump is like her main gig. But here she is openly admitting this is not the case they're trying to sell it as on the left. Clip 11. Wouldn't the bar be really low to prove that? I disagree with that. Follow Uh, the trail? I've heard that statement from, I think, a mutual friend of ours. It's easy to prove the paper crime if the person's name is on the paper. Here, the paper trail can show us exactly how this payment was made, exactly how Michael Cohen was reimbursed, and exactly how they booked it. But what I, I'd be shocked if the paperwork showed is a direct link to Donald Trump. If there's an email, a text, a memo where Donald Trump says, yes, guys, do it this way or I'd like you to do it this way. That's a smoking gun. But short of that, the paperwork's an important part of the story. But just saying it's a paper case, there's a paper trail doesn't necessarily get you to the core issue of the defendant or the potential defendant's criminal liability. He knows what he's talking about. He does. OK, and congratulations to him on never getting booked on CNN again. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Just get on and say he's going to jail. That's the gig here. What do you want from me? Folks, I mean it. I'm laughing, but as a guy who is considerate and compassionate towards my political opposites, this is a heavy day for people today. If you have a liberal in their life, try to be the, in your life, try to be the bigger person. Now, we don't know that Trump's not going to get indicted. Okay, but we do know it was supposed to happen by now. And it meant so much to them. They've invested so much of their lives. Take a team, okay, that's like never won a Super Bowl. Let's say the Cleveland Browns. The last time the Cleveland Browns won, they won an NFL championship. That was in the year 1960. Okay, so imagine you're the Cleveland Browns, okay? It's now 2023. In their case, it would be 2024. You're 64 years later that you have waited and waited so many lifetimes and generations of families that never saw the Browns win. And now here you are seconds away from finally realizing your dream. And that's the people who hate Trump. You know how they say overnight is a lifetime in politics? Think of how many overnights 
liberals have spent hoping to see Donald Trump go to jail. Okay, it's literally been every night for the past seven years. So the idea that we finally got to this pie in the sky moment where they thought they were going to get him. And now the grand jury, at the very least, has been canceled for one day, which throws the whole case into doubt. They're in a very difficult place emotionally. And understand that's what this is in the country. You've probably heard me say this at my live shows. If you've been to one of them, I come out, do an hour stand up, do some Q&A, tell some more jokes. Then we go get drunk in the lobby. That's basically how it works. But one of the points I make when I'm like actually talking to people on the road that get to meet me and understand that, yeah, it's the guy that I see on TV or the guy I listen to on the radio. One of the points I'm always going out of my way to impress upon you is that I'm the same guy. Like you meet me in person and you don't think it's like this different experience than the one you get on TV. I'm still chubby. I still dress bad and I still don't take anything seriously. But there's one point that I'm very mindful of as a parent and as someone who really cares about the country. The people who can converse objectively about the issues facing us without getting in a fight, without trying to cancel somebody, without you know resorting to any type of violence or screaming and yelling, we're the ones really, like truly, being counted on to save this country. I'm not talking exclusively to Republicans. I'm talking to anybody who gets it. There is a faction of stupid people that are in elected office right now because a larger faction of stupid people voted for them. These stupid people are governed by emotion. They are passing legislation that has no background in the industries it attempts to legislate. Our energy policy in this country, okay, we are an energy-based economy. Okay, our energy policy also directly overlaps with our national security and also ensures stability around the world because American energy, when it is robust, when we are in fact net exporters and not paying money to dictatorships in the third world like Venezuela – and not empowering and enriching somebody like Vladimir Putin, when we are that stabilizing force, there is more peace in the world. But because the environmental wing of the party heard a lecture about AOC about how we were all going to die while she was cooking macaroni and cheese on Instagram. AOC is a dope. Maybe. And, of course, they got a lecture from Greta Thornburg about how the world was going to end in five years. You are so full of sh. Well, whoever is writing her tweets is the one that should be aimed at. But Greta Thornburg famously deleting a tweet last week uh, that had predicted the world would have ended by now. But the point is they are catering to emotion. They are children in Greta Thornburg's case and intellectually children in AOC's case. And the idea that we remain reasonable and speak to a greater good, it's actually important. Like you're actually playing a role. Like as much as I joke about what I'm doing, that's the role. I'm not here recruiting for the Republican Party. The role I'm playing, though, is important. I'm aware of it. I know how many people are listening right now. I know how many people are watching me on TV. It's just be cool. Do you remember in Pulp Fiction when they're in the diner and Samuel Jackson is interfering in the robbery and he's telling the British guy to tell his girlfriend to be cool? (laughs) He's like, tell her. He's like, say, be cool. And the guy's like, be cool. You know, that whole thing. That's what we're doing right now. We're yelling out to America. Be cool. That's our job. Okay, be cool right now. These people have lost their minds. And you understand the image we project to the rest of the world. If the United States president goes into handcuffs, you don't get that back. So if you're going to do it, it's because you have to do it. It shouldn't be because a bunch of children on the left want to do it. You understand? Bill Clinton paid Paula Jones $850,000 to shut up about an affair. Okay, $850,000. 
because long before he was using interns as a humidor, okay, he was big spooning and little spooning with other women in motel rooms. I believe that together we can make America great again. But did anybody try to bring him down for the hush money? The answer would be no. Barack Obama was caught spending over 350000 in violation of campaign finance laws. I don't see you doing any better in the booty department. Fine. But did Barack Obama get prosecuted? The answer would be no. Really weird. Okay, there's a storied history of this on the left, and it doesn't get prosecuted because these are kind of gray area laws. Now, I don't want to live in a world with a two-tier justice system, but the reason they don't want to charge presidents is because it creates the perception that you are weaponizing your Justice Department. It telegraphs to the rest of the world that you are not a stable society. You are a society that's run by ideology, something that is that makes your laws flexible, something that telegraphs to the rest of the world that we are, in fact, weak. We're not the shining city on the hill with this emotionless real housewives thing that's getting very embarrassing, which is why we need cool people. Okay, you know what happened yesterday on the other side of the world? Xi Jinping, the leader of China, went over to the Kremlin, hung out with Vladimir Putin and declared that they're going to change the world in a way it hasn't been changed in the last hundred years. This could be a problem. And while they were vowing to unite militarily and they were uniting to show the rest of the world their commitment to each other, their commitment to defending their way of life and advancing their ideology. You know what John Kirby was doing as a spokesperson for this administration? He was declaring to the world that LGBTQ rights language is a foreign policy priority for this country. That was embarrassing. Okay, believe me, it was to people who want to kill us. They're not worried about hurt feelings. They're worried about hurting people. Bingo. But here is Kirby, clip 26. LGBTQ plus rights are human rights. Uh, and uh, we, again, back to the earlier question, are never going to shy away, be bashful about speaking up for those rights and for uh, uh, for individuals to live as they deem fit, as they want to live. And that's something that's a core part of our foreign policy, and it, and it will remain so. That was absolutely dreadful. Dude, foreign policy, war. Nobody's scared of a, of a tank that has a hate-has-no-home-here bumper sticker on the back, Kirby. Okay, I, there is no room for discrimination on a battlefield. In the history of war, you've never heard, cover me, I'm going in, except for you people. Okay, there is no room for discrimination. It's war. And when it comes to our military and their presence in the world, something we've been able to ensure in the aftermath of World War II is peace through strength. Maintain such a fierce fighting force, something so respected and feared throughout the world that people behave for the most part. Yeah, regional skirmishes, but nobody's going to get rowdy, rowdy, because they don't want us to step in and bust out the old whooping stick, the old metal spoon, the old wooden spoon. Or heaven forbid you grew up in a belt house like I did. Oh, man. Not, <laughs> not good, man. Not good. Go get my belts. That can't be good. Not good. Okay, you understand We used to be a stabilizing force in the world. When they hear things like LGBTQ rights, listen, nobody is saying we hate those people or uh, someone who's listening to this that falls under any of that umbrella. Okay, no one's saying you don't have a right to exist or feel accepted in society. But when our military is saying things like 
you know, well, it's all about the pronouns now. I promise. Bullets don't know your pronouns. Landmines don't know your pronouns. Drones don't know your pronouns. Missiles don't know your pronouns. War is just war. Okay, we're supposed to avoid it at all costs, but if we are going to put our boys and girls and theys and thems in harm's way, we have to make sure it's absolutely justified. Here is Anthony Blinken, your Secretary of State, saying the State Department needs to modernize and carry out its DEI initiatives, diversity, equity, and, and inclusion. Here it is, clip 27. The budget will advance our efforts to modernize the State Department, including by expanding our training float, uh, updating our technology, carrying out diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility initiatives, including to make our overseas missions more accessible. I'm grateful for the progress we've already made together, including Congress's support in updating the Secure Embassy Construction and Counterterrorism Act and Accountability Review Board to give us some of the flexibility that we need to open new missions and better manage the risks that we face. I mean, this is what's going on. Okay, diversity, equity. Last week, Russian fighter jets took down one of our drones. And our State Department issued a statement saying that we're going to go about retrieving the drone in a way that is environmentally responsible. We also accused Russia of being unprofessional and environmentally unsafe. In a war, nobody cares about climate change but us. And you need to know this. Okay, it's because stupid people are in charge that are supported by stupid people. I don't hate you. This is not bigotry coming through the microphone or the speakers or anything in between. I'm just explaining to you how war works. One side is trying to turn you into confetti, your physical body into confetti. Our side is sitting here making sure nobody's feelings get hurt before they're thrown into the wood chipper. I'm telling you, this is a waste of time, and it's only going to invite more aggression. It's the war movie that's got critics praising its inclusiveness. Introducing Woke Metal Jacket. I am Gunnery Sergeant Hartman, your senior drill instructor. The Pentagon is tired of having nothing but tough men in the Marine Corps. You gotta be me, Joker. So they're relaxing standards to make it easier for other types of soldiers. Sound off like you got a pair. Any military can focus on hurting their enemies, but only the American military can focus on hurt feelings. Are you shook up? Are you nervous? Woke Metal Jacket. Good night, ladies. Now playing in Washington and coming soon to a losing war near you. Don't go anywhere. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We'll be right back. It is Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. We're going to head up to Burlington, Vermont right now. Talk to one of my radio buddies from WVMT. Chuck is on the line. Yo, Chuck. Yo, Jimmy. How's my tequila pal? I'm doing great. In fact, I just told Mikey, you come back. We're going over the border to Montreal and find him a girlfriend. <laughs> oh, you're saying it's going to cost me money, though, is what you're saying. Well, I told him it's a moment's pleasure, not a not a lasting treasure. Now, <laughs> <laughs> now I will remind you uh, that we got into this mess because President Trump might have spent some money on a woman after the fact. So uh, well, that's true, if, if Mikey runs for office down the road, is this the end of his campaign? 
No, 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 man. In fact, I'll sign up to be campaign manager. Ooh, you are, Chuck, you are now the Michael Cohen of this show, and I thank you for your, <laughs> thank you for your service to our country. So I, I, bringing up this whole thing, by the way, this is one thing yeah. I want to mention before I get your opinion, because I didn't say this to the audience oh. earlier. Stormy Daniels oh. accused, you know, yeah. said her and Trump had an affair. Okay, right. Trump sued her for defamation. Stormy lost, was ordered to pay his legal fees. And the attorney right. that represented her is now doing 16 years in prison. Yet based on that ruling, we're trying to elevate the Trump-Stormy Daniel thing to a federal charge and handcuff a United States president. Doesn't it seem a little ambitious? It seems like the wheel's going in the wrong directions here. I mean, it, it, this, this whole thing is ludicrous. And the guy from San Francisco suggesting that this was anything about the money. Yeah. Did, did he uh, did he remember that, that Trump worked for four years as the president taking not a dime of salary? I mean— I know. It's weird. Whenever people say that know, whole thing like, oh, he's a grifter, I'm like, believe me, it hurt his business to run, and he yeah. donated his salary to veterans and charities. Sa- salary and his time and, to some degree, his family. Yep. But the, but the, the, the whole thing's just convoluted and— uh, you know, um, it's everybody involved with it. And I, I tried to call you yesterday, but, uh, you know, you were talking about KGP there or whatever the hell their name is. And, uh, um, you know, it reminds me of a line in a movie I heard once. And, um, and that was, you know, uh, calling you stupid is an insult to stupid people. <laughs> hey, you, you know? lay off Mikey. Come on, Chuck. He's a good <laughs> producer. I'm kidding. Mikey. I know. KJP. Jean-Pierre. Chuck, you yeah. stuck the landing. We just had to get in one more dig at Mikey while we had you on the line. I'll see you up in Vermont, buddy. Be well. Uh, next hour includes a cameo from Byron Donalds, who is not happy at all about this arrest. He will weigh in. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, there it is. Bang. Back in action. They have once again saddled up the old radio show pony, ready to rumble in the big hour of Fox Across America that will include a visit from Florida Representative Byron Donalds, the best-dressed man in Congress, who is not happy about the judicial overreach here in New York City. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! I don't know that it's risen to that level for BD, and let's hope not. The dude is 6'2", 275. You know, he gets work. We're going to have a problem. I don't know that we can guard Byron Donald's man-to-man. So 888-788-9910 if you want to back me up on this one. Uh, we're talking about the non, the non-meeting the non of the grand jury today in New York City. They were supposed to meet today and indict Donald Trump today. That was the plan. All the news cameras were set up. Everybody was ready to rumble and, you know, got the cat, the perp walk, the finger. <laughs> Nothing. Uh, the jury has been told to stand by for tomorrow, meaning they may come in, they may not come in. I have a direct source in that courtroom uh, who says today was adjourned because of scheduling. Now, they don't say if it's scheduling because of the witness or it's scheduling because they're just going to take this thing off the schedule. You don't get the specifics there. Uh, But the point being is they don't have the capacity to charge Trump today, which means there's a very good chance they may not have a chance, a capacity to charge him tomorrow. That's true. That is true. I bring that up because it puts our country in a very delicate position. 
as much as I was urging caution about the idea of Trump getting indicted and people on the right needing to stay calm, we also need to urge calm if Trump doesn't get indicted because the people on the left have invested so much in this emotionally. You have no I mean, it is the remember the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown going to go to the pumpkin patch and spend Halloween and the great pumpkin is going to fly over and he's going to deliver all these treats and it's going to be amazing. But then lo and behold, the great pumpkin doesn't come and the people that were duped into believing are very upset. You blockhead! Okay, that's where they are about the Trump indictment. If Trump doesn't get indicted, oh man, people are going to, you know. I'll break you in half like a little toothpick. Oh, they're going to be breaking windows. It's going to be out of control. They, they want this guy. It's bad. We're not having a conversation from a place of reason. So you need to urge just as much calm whatever way the wind blows on this indictment. Right now, it is blown all the way down to Florida where there's a, there's a war playing out online. If you're listening to the show, I don't know how active you are on social media. I don't know if you're a big Twitter guy or Facebook guy. But you know, Twitter is essentially a fight club for people who don't want to get hit. That's what it is. Anything you tweet on Twitter is an invitation to fight with someone you've never met. They're not standing there in front of you. You're road raging against a person who's driving on a different highway. It's kind of a bizarre, silly time to be alive when you look at it that way. But you could literally tweet, here's a picture of my cat dressed up as Roger Clemens. And they'll be like, too bad January 6th, white supremacy. And you're like, are you okay? What's going on here? You know, it's the weirdest thing in the world, you know. You could tweet a picture of your dog having birthday cake. And they're like, check your white privilege. Some people can't even have cake. Your dog's having cake. It's crazy, but they'll do that to you. And when it comes to politics, if the actual subject is politics, it's absolutely going to be met with some type of venom. Right now, the venom is aimed at DeSantis from the people who support Trump because they're saying, well, Ron DeSantis, he's not doing enough. That is a fact check false. Ron DeSantis trashed this prosecution. I'll play you the clip. Trashed it. Said it's politically motivated, said it's bad for the country, said it's an activist prosecutor funded by George Soros. He said everything Trump has said. OK, you can't really say more than that. That's like the maximum strength Tylenol. But they're still waging a messaging war against DeSantis. Why? Because we are, for all intents and purposes, in the middle of an election season. Although DeSantis hasn't gotten into the race yet, he is considered the number one or number two guy in the Republican Party, depending on who you ask. So they don't want to see this potential Trump indictment come back to bite him in the butt. Now, I understand the strategy there. But the people on Twitter going after DeSantis for quotes like this, you do seem a little silly. Because the guy is, again, calling this out just the way I am, just the way everyone should be, even in the Democratic Party. Nobody should be okay if Trump gets prosecuted and arrested for this. It's bad for the country. It's not a defense of Trump. It's defense of America. Okay, but here is the DeSantis clip specifically, clip seven. I also think it's important to point out when you're talking about these Soros-funded prosecutors, yes, they may do a high-profile politicized prosecution, uh, and that's bad, but the real victims— are ordinary New Yorkers, ordinary Americans in all these different jurisdictions, that they get victimized every day because of the reckless political agenda that these Soros DAs bring to their job. They ignore crime and they empower criminals, and that hurts people. It hurts a lot of people every single day. 
the Soros district attorneys are a menace to society, and I'm just glad that I'm the only governor in the country that's actually removed one from office during my tenure. And he did do that, okay? He removed a Soros prosecutor who said he wasn't going to enforce certain laws, and to his credit, DeSantis was like, I'm sick and tired of all this bullshit. Kicked him right out the door, okay? So DeSantis has trashed this prosecution. Okay, and we'll continue to do so if Trump gets indicted, because although there's no love lost between Trump and DeSantis, okay, the guy is going to stand up for the rule of law and the proper application of justice in this country. Now, what is noteworthy and what is drawing some fire from the Trump side of town into the DeSantis side of town in the Republican Party is Ron DeSantis has an interview coming out on Fox Nation this week in which he sat down with Pierce Morgan. And they both got into it on 2024 and Trump and everything in between. And as you would imagine, this ruffled a lot of feathers in the Trump camp. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Okay, but one of the problems they're having with DeSantis, and this is just me talking sports with you. You know, in boxing, they say styles make fights. Okay, depending on the type of style the two guys deploy really affects what type of good matchup you get. Okay. You're learning a contrast in styles pretty quickly as it pertains to the Trump-DeSantis thing. Trump's been calling DeSantis a pedophile, said he was a groomer, said he was a rhino globalist. And DeSantis has consistently shot back with, hey, I'm just looking to deliver for the people of Florida. Hey, I'm not looking at Trump as my enemy. I'm campaigning against Joe Biden. That's the guy I want out of office. What I mean is DeSantis is fighting a very disciplined fight. Okay, jab, jab, right hook, jab, jab, uppercut. Jab, jab, right cross. Very fundamental boxer. Trump is Andrew Galata. Headbutts you, punches you in the balls, <laughs> shoves you, spits in your face, gouges out your eye with his thumb. It's fierce. And I, I remember, I specifically remember in the summer of 2016, I remember when it looked like Trump was on the verge of winning the Republican nomination. I remember. Bill Clinton specifically getting in front of a microphone and saying, oh, we relish the opportunity to run against Donald Trump. This is not okay. As it turned out, it was not okay. Why? Because it's really hard to look good fighting against an unorthodox style. That's why they say in boxing, nobody wants to fight a lefty because you can't fight your conventional fight. You're out of your traditional rhythm. It's hard to look like a smooth, polished fighter. When you get in the ring against Trump, and there's a part of this I really respect. Growing up in my backyard, uh, my dad had a drinking buddy, Tommy Wenz. Uh, Tommy Wenz was a fun guy back in the day. And they used to, you know, they used to come over, and he had hired Tommy Wenz to build an extension on our house and apparently was paying him in doer scotch because when the rain started to come down, <laughs> the house started to leak a little bit. But every day at the end of the construction, they would tell me their, you know, crazy police stories and fight stories and things that would go on. And, you know, one time Tommy Wenz is trying to make an arrest and, you know, he's a five foot eight guy going up against a six foot eight guy and the guy doesn't want to be arrested. So he starts throwing punches. And I just remember the old Tommy Wenz line. He said, when the whistle blows, anything goes. And Trump is very much an old school cop in that regard. When the whistle blows, anything goes. Okay, they're going to bite your nuts if that's what it's going to take. What the hell did you just say? I'm just telling you because I care. Trump does not fight a conventional fight. There's nicknames. There's everything in between. 
So it's a little rich that the people in the Trump camp are like, oh, DeSantis isn't sticking up for Trump enough. You know, because time was you could call a guy a pedophile and a groomer and a rhino and a globalist, and he'd come rushing to your defense. Shut up. Will you shut up? My message for those people. But now is not the time, and that's where DeSantis is showing you some leadership skills in not specifically trashing Trump. He steps out a little bit in the clip I'm about to play you. But now is not the time for Republicans to be fighting. Now is the time to be fighting Biden and to DeSantis's credit, calling out the overreach by this prosecutor, Alvin Bragg. But here is DeSantis clip 13 talking to Pierce Morgan. This is your favorite nickname that Trump's given you so far. Is it Ron, Ron DeSanctimonious or Meatball Ron? <laughs> well, I can't. I think uh, even he went off Meatball Ron. I, but. I can't. Uh, I don't know how to spell DeSanctimonious. I don't really know what it means, but I, you know, I kind of like it's long. It's got a lot of vowels. I mean, so we go with that. That's fine. You know, you can call me. You can call me whatever you want. I mean, just as long as you, you know, also call me a winner, because that's what we've been able to do in Florida is put a lot of points on the board and, and, and really take the state to the next level. There's a slob. There's a real slob. I'm being silly. But what is DeSantis doing there? He makes a joke about the nickname Ron DeSanctimonious because we don't know what it means. It's a terrible nickname. Trump's uh, nicknames are at their best when he puts the descriptive first. Lion Ted, Little Marco, Low Energy Jeb, Crooked Hillary, Sleepy Joe. Okay. Ron DeSanctimonious doesn't have the same snap. So DeSantis has a laugh about the name. But he says, yeah, call me a winner because we're delivering for Florida. So what is he doing there? He's getting a laugh, but he's going right back to his record. His record, his record, his record. You know in Rocky, the body, the body, the body. It's going back to the body. Here's the rest of it on whether or not he could beat Biden, clip 14. You yes. could beat Biden? I think so. So you're running them. No, I didn't say that. I just said I think I could. I mean, I think that that's – I mean, if you look at Florida – Who would be harder to beat, Biden or Donald Trump? We're – I don't know. <laughs> Wrong. Because I think Trump would tell you the direct answer is – Trump would be harder to beat. And to be clear, he would be. Okay, I have no idea who's going to win the Republican nomination. And my job is not to make you vote a certain way. I'll give you an honest assessment every day of who I think is winning and losing and why and everything in between. Uh, but I'm not, again, is it's one of the joys of actually meaning what I tell you. I am a talk show host girlfriend. I'm not here. I'm not an activist. I'm not here to steer anybody's vote. I have very strong opinions on all of these candidates. You know, one of the things I've upset a lot of our audience for saying is something that's also endeared me to a lot of our audience is an honest assessment of the Republican Party right now. I say all the time when it comes to Trump, he is exponentially better than Biden or any other Democrat out there. Oh, my gosh, who wouldn't sign up for four more years of mean tweets as opposed to record inflation and an open border and a soaring crime rate and the pronoun police knocking at your door every hour of the day? I mean, it's a weird time to be in America where we've relinquished our energy independence, banks are failing, and we're sending all of our money to Ukraine to back up their pension plan. It's very strange. So there's not a Trump. I I would take Barron Trump over Joe Biden. Okay, but that being said, I don't decide this thing. And where I keep cautioning the Trump supporter is in the reality that there is about 55% of this country that is not voting for this guy, no matter what he does. He could solve world hunger. He could cure every aggressive disease that is a top 10 cause of death in this country. I mean, in theory, the Democrats all go to the high church of vaccines. They all do. They would fire you from your job for not getting a vaccine. But you know who brought the vaccine to the market? Donald Trump. Oh, oh wow. 
Think about that. They will fire you from your job for not taking a vaccine that Trump is responsible for. Yet they'll never acknowledge his contribution to the COVID fight. They'll say he had to go because he's the reason anyone died from COVID in the first place. Do you get it? There's not a world where they're emotionally capable of giving him credit. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to suddenly vote for some other Republican. But the reason Democrats are indicting Trump, the reason Democrats are provoking the Republican Party into rallying around Trump is because they know they already have most of the work done when it comes to Trump. They have most of the homework finished already. Fifty five percent of the country will not vote for this guy. They will not hear him out no matter what he does. Okay, he got you the vaccine, the one the Democrats fired you from your job for not taking, and they don't even acknowledge it's a thing. But understand, for the other candidates, they're going to treat them just like Trump. But the point is they have a lot more work to do. Okay, people are a lot more open-minded to Ron DeSantis, which is why they're calling him a transphobe, which is why they're saying he banned gay people. Hello, if you've been to Key West or South Beach, you're very well aware that there are plenty of gay people in Florida, and they're having a wonderful time, God bless them. But the point is they have a lot more work to do on a guy like DeSantis. They have a lot more work to do on a guy like, uh, you know, Tim Scott or even Nikki Haley. So they want Trump to run because the negatives are already baked into the cake. And I don't know that he will overcome them. But again, it's not my call. The reason, okay, the reason it's not my call is because we live in a country where every single one of us has a voice in this election process, okay? Freedom! I mean, and if we learned anything from the last election, not only do the living people have a voice, but some of the dead people do too. Stop it, I'm kidding! Don't you dare. They're like, he's an election denier. He should be behind bars. I know. But the one thing I'll never make peace with is you'll never look at Biden. You'll never look at him and go, yeah, this is the highest vote getter in the history of our country. You won't. Every single time you look at him, you'll have the same reaction. You'll be like, this man needs a retirement home and a warm bowl of soup. You're riding around with America's cabbie. Taxi. You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. They're slowing down the music on Fox Across America. That must mean our next caller is on the verge of snapping. Uh, Barry's out in Los Angeles. Barry, is everything (laughs) under control? Oh, no, Jimmy, I'm, I'm not upset. I think you... I think you are on the right track. Mm-hmm. However, the the problem, and, and again, this is not in defense of Trump. Mm-hmm. Trump and the only Trumpers right now are acting like adolescent children. Oh, and the problem is, is they've been baited by the rhinos. I called you a few months. I called you after the November election. They're, the rhinos are just baiting Trump. The rhinos don't give a damn who wins in 2024 as long as it's not Trump. And and again, this is no, meaning this they is don't no, meaning you're I'm, saying I'm not justifying anything yeah. that Trump's doing. OK, Trump is going to Trump's going to win the Republican nomination mm-hmm. no matter what. The problem is, is Trump's going to going to disenfranchise a bunch of Republicans because he's going to think he's going to act like the two, it's 2016 again mm-hmm. when it is not. If Trump grows up, if mm-hmm. Trump acts like an adult. Trump can win a general election, but he needs to act like an adult now. He could act like a child in the, if after winning the nomination mm-hmm. – 
because he's not going to disenfranchise a bunch of Republican voters. Yep. But he's going to – it's – you know. So what are you saying? Trump on. can win the nomination, but you don't see him winning the general? Is that the prediction? I think he will win the nomination. He will not win the general Ooh. if he – if he if he does not okay. grow up, he and his supporters. I mean, it's just it's ludicrous. It's like okay. they somehow go off on DeSantis about bringing up a porn star and hush money when a week <laughs> and a half earlier. It's getting ugly. Trump Trump basically uh, accused I, of everything accused under the sun. Him of, well, he Barry, I'm not cutting you off. We're just we're running into a commercial break. We love you, Barry. You're the best. We'll do it again soon. Get him out of here. Get him out. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon in studio here at Fox News headquarters. I almost didn't make it into the studio today. I was walking down the hall in the 11 o'clock hour. I looked up at a TV and I was almost blinded by a shiny silver tie that was being worn by a guest on the Faulkner Focus. Joining us now, uh, the owner of such swag. He is our superstar representative from the 19th Congressional District of Florida. Byron Donald is in the house. Hey, man. Jimmy. Hey, that tie was fly, though, right? So, like that tie. Yo, that was hot. I, was, I, I thought you were repping the Oakland Raiders for a minute there. No, 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 no. The silver and the silver and the blue, man. The Cowboys. Don't forget the blazer. Come you see, I, there's a thing. I, didn't, I couldn't see what color the blazer was. I'm not even kidding. I just saw the silver and made a note in my head because I, I did. I liked, I liked the tie. That was, some, that was some good swag. And I bet you Harris liked it, too. You guys were having a serious conversation. But when you're in studio with her, she loves to talk fashion, like loves it. So you probably scored some. All right. Probably scored some I gotta points. Make sure I do that. Yeah, yeah. You I gotta prob- figure that out. I'm gonna ask her now. Well, well, let me ask you this because we—I don't know that we've ever gotten into this. Um, but does—and I've talked about this with other representatives. Uh, when, whenever I have to compliment something about their look, does Erica Donalds get any credit for the swag, or is this all you? No, it's all me. Yes. You know, she she looks at something. She'll buy me a tie every now and again. But when I buy a new suit, you know, I look at it. I usually, like, have about three different ones. I have her look at it. But in my mind, I already know where I'm going. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's an energy, man. It's in my jeans. It's in my soul. They, it's an energy. I try to tell this to people. Like, swag, it's like an energy. It just has to agree with your energy, and you can <laughs> rock it, right? Hundred percent. It's funny because I've done. I've also done TV hits where my wife Jenny Fallow, who doesn't pick out my stuff either, clearly, uh, she'll be like, "Are you wearing that jacket? Do me a favor, take off your wedding ring if you're going to wear that jacket on TV." I don't. Wanna, <laughs> I don't want to claim that. It's a little much. Um, but I bring up families because one of the things I saw you talking to Harris about, and I want to get to this first, is we know Biden lied when he talked about his fam- the report on his family getting paid in China, because we have receipts, do we not? We have the bank receipts. We see them. We see the wires. We see it all go out. We know who got paid what. But, Jimmy, back up. Here's the deal. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden, his son is always around. Like yeah. It's not like they're estranged. Mm-hmm. That he, they don't talk. His son was on Air Force Two mm-hmm. when Joe Biden was vice president, flying to all these places in the world. Mm-hmm. All this time on the plane, all the time together, yeah. Thanksgiving dinner, 
He never asked his son what he's doing for money. Come on, man. Stop the mess. Stop the mess. <laughs> this, you know, there's only so much talk about the football game and whatever the season of the Sopranos they were up to in 2008. You know, at some point, exactly. business has to come up. Good point. Exactly. But here's the other thing. Okay, knowing that what you said to be true. Okay, if the Obama Treasury Department gave us 150 suspicious activity reports, Joe Biden would almost be derelict in his duty as a parent to not say to his son, oh, by the way, the feds are looking into you. 100 percent. I'm going to back you up on that as well. But, you know, that's my assumption. Mm -hmm. We want to let the facts speak for themselves. So I don't even get that far yet. Okay. one thing is clear. Joe Biden was blocking Congress from being able to look at suspicious activity reports. He actively did it. No other president has ever done that since the creation of the suspicious activity report. Congress has always been able to look at them. Nobody's ever blocked them until Joe Biden. So like I said today, Joe, what you got to hide? Yeah, there's something going on. And you know what they say in like, especially in Democratic politics, where there's smoke, uh, Elizabeth Warren's trying to send a signal. But stick with me. Oh, my God. <laughs> there it is. You said that. Pow. You said that. Oh, no, you don't I mean, have to own that. You don't I have just, to own I that. I just laughed at it. I thought it was funny. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> Byron Donalds. He's on the line from the 19th Congressional District of Florida. Uh, up here in New York, I, uh, as a football fan, I guess the term I would use is I'm kind of throwing the challenge flag at the potential prosecution of Trump because it, yeah. it only reads as political motivation, especially when you consider that Bragg has downgraded violent felonies to misdemeanors 52 percent of the time. We're trying to upsell uh, what would be a misdemeanor into a felony, but I don't know that there's anything there. Like, what's the takeaway in the halls of Congress? We're all like, this is politics and it's dumb. It's terrible politics. So that's why we're going to we, – that's why we have questions for Alvin Bragg and what he's doing. I mean, look, it's clear as day, folks. The man ran saying he wanted to indict Trump and get Trump, yeah. and now he's twisting the law to do it. Look, I, I'm not a lawyer, okay, mm-hmm. but I try to, like, read, read and be educated on what's happening. Mm-hmm. This guy is trying to bring charges on something that the Federal Election Commission and the Department of Justice said no to. Both of them said nothing to see here. A state-level prosecutor is now trying to bring charges. Yeah. What, where, where, what is going on? This is all politics. It's actually really disgusting when you think about it. And so my hope is, is that they just can't come to a, a conclusion mm-hmm. to bring an indictment because if they did, I mean, you talk about just a political, yeah. a political like pipe bomb. This thing would be nuts. I know, and would create some serious consequences. And once, and the other part is, once you set a precedent like that, who's to stop it in the future? Yeah. Well, no, it's it's that's definitely true. And that's that's another concern. And it's like if we're going to descend into this territory, like I just feel like it's got to be worth it. Like we're really talking about a parking ticket for all intents and purposes. So if you're going to inflame tensions on this level, I mean, the car at least has to be stolen. That's getting the parking ticket. And that's not the case. So it's a mess. We're talking to Florida Representative Byron Donalds. Uh, The other thing I wanted to throw at you, I, I know I saw this on the screen when you were talking to Harris, but I was in the hallway, so I didn't get to hear the conversation. Uh, the Fed, it looks like they might want to hike the rates again. We've been bailing out banks and everything in between. Is there a day coming where the people at the Fed just focus on, like, money policy, or are we not there yet? No, we're not there yet, and that's what uh, Congress is going to have to force the Fed to do. Uh, what you have you – know, to take a step back on the Fed, mm-hmm. you know, back in the 70s, they went from a sound money mandate to a sound money and full employment mandate. Mm-hmm. In the 70s, you know, we had high unemployment and, you know, the – 
the experts in Washington thought that the Federal Reserve could influence employment through monetary policy. Mm-hmm. All right, you might be able to do that. But what happens is the, the employment mandate works in like almost direct opposition to the sound money mandate. Mm-hmm. So the Fed's always trying to do this dance between sound money and full employment. Mm-hmm. That shouldn't, we should just get rid of the employment mandate and be focused on just sound money, price stability. Mm-hmm. That's what we should be. That's one. Two, the Democrats have been trying to push all of their diversity, equity, and inclusion goals into the Federal Reserve. And, and it's just like, how can you manage that at the Fed, whose job is just, is just, is just supposed to be price stability? Yeah. So my, my argument, and some of my colleagues are, get rid of the employment mandate, get rid of all these other mandates, get the Fed back to just sound money and price stability. Yeah. That's it. No more, no less. If you do that, then the Fed doesn't become this all-knowing agent and arbiter of American economics, yeah. which it has failed at every single time. The market system is that for a reason. Our economy is based on people's individual purchasing decisions um, and decisions not to purchase certain things. That's what creates our market yeah. is that very basis. Let that be the driver of our economics, not a bunch of guys who get appointments, some of which don't even know what they're talking about. It's a great. I, I believe it was Deion Sanders, uh, a Florida State Seminole like yourself, who once said, if it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. Yeah. That's that's the moniker. That's the words I live by. <laughs> you know, I saw really quick. I saw Deion Sanders play as a Yankee. He hit an inside the park home run, uh, and the center fielder who dove for the ball and missed it was Bo Jackson. Some talent on that field, BD. Listen, listen, Bo. Shout out to Bo Jackson. Mm-hmm. You know, the crazy part is you're talking about two men who are the best athletes ever yep. in sports. Mm-hmm. They're in the top five. It's like Bo. It's Bo Jackson, Deion, Usain Bolt, LeBron. I'm having a hard time coming up with number five. <laughs> well, come but, on. Uh, Go ahead. You know, those, some bad, those, those some bad boys. Yeah, yeah. Some you, boys can play. You can't mess with that. Deion Sanders was fast, man. And, yes, Bo Jackson. It's funny. I, was at, I saw Bo Jackson in Yankee Stadium in a, when he had just announced that he was going to play football part-time. And he had gotten into trouble with the press because he called it his hobby. He said, the NFL is going to be my hobby. And there was a drunk guy. I was about I, – I probably was 1987, so I was probably 10 years old. There was a drunk guy sitting next to be in a left field bleachers at Yankee Stadium just yelling at Bo that they were going to break his legs. And he was literally yelled for eight innings. It was the, I'd never been to a Yankee game before, had like a beer dumped on me or been beaten up by an older person. It was actually those little moments in New York that make you feel alive. You know what I'm saying? 100%. It's usually the way it is, you know, when you go to – you know, that's how it is sometimes at the old Yankee Stadium. Yeah. You know, but, you know, what I hear, you know, anytime you go to a game in Fenway or you're in Philadelphia, I mean, yeah. it's like that all the time. Oh, yeah. Well, the, the Yankee Stadium, like, they've become a victim of their success. It's actually very corporate now. Like, now you go to Yankee it's, Stadium, yeah, yeah. You, you can get a pedicure between innings. It's embarrassing, you know. Back in the day, no, you, you were lucky to get out of there in one piece. But, yes, Philly is still throwing beer at $22 a beer. That's passion. You know what I'm saying? Listen, well, hold up. Tell a story about old Yankee Stadium because the seats literally were like eight inches wide. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you if you if you had a if you had a 50 inch waist, you might as well just stand. There wasn't no way you get an MC to the old Yankee Stadium. That's funny. People think we were passionate because we stood the whole game. We just didn't fit. We <laughs> we didn't care. We didn't care. Those teams weren't any good. Oh, that's funny. BD, you still got it, man. Nice work on the tie. We'll talk soon, brother.
Hey, appreciate it. See you, Jimmy. You're the best. There he goes. The legendary Byron Donalds from the 19th Congressional District of Florida. If you didn't see him with Harris Faulkner, I'm sure it's on the Fox News website. It's a nice silver tie. Like, it takes a lot to get me. Uh, and I was just walking down the hallway, and I was like, damn, that's a tie. And then I looked up, and it was Byron, and it killed me. Because, you know, he's got enough fashion arrogance without me, you know, supporting him, without me, you know, encouraging this type of behavior. But one point he makes about the Fed, and we didn't spend a lot of time on this yesterday because it kind of does overlap with Biden's first veto. Uh, You know, Biden wants retirement funds in this country to be pursuing social justice initiatives when they invest. That's Use your common sense. Okay, so he vetoed a bill that had bipartisan support that would have given money managers the permission to not consider climate change initiatives and a, co- and a company's stance on social justice policies like equity and inclusion when they were deciding who was going to get grant money, when they were deciding who should be invested in. Joe Biden wanted wanted the companies to be rewarded or to be, you know, invested in based on their social positions, which I got to be honest is really, really dumb. Why? Because you're not considering what's going to make or break your investment. Is this company making money? Is it viable? Is there a market for their product? These are all things you should be prioritizing when you decide to invest in a company. But Joe Biden's first veto was issued, why? Because he wants to make sure that when you invest, okay, we're bailing out Ukraine's pensions right now. But when it comes to your pensions, you know, you should be considering their stance on climate justice before you decide whether or not to allocate your money. No, you should be deciding whether or not to invest your money based on whether or not you think it's going to be there in three weeks based on the, the fundamentals of this company. But there was Joe Biden and his crew yesterday saying, oh, well. Now we got to worry about the climate change if we're going to invest. Yeah, mainly because your money is going to wind up going up in flames. Thank you for the education, gentlemen. We've just received a Ph.D. in stupidity. The show not afraid to call out both sides of the aisle. He's the other side's worst nightmare. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, fired up on a Wednesday, holding this country together. One call, one guest, one song at a time. Kevin, down in Hampton Roads, Virginia. Yo, Kevin! Yo, Jimmy, hey, uh, but man, you knocked it out of the park yesterday. I was loving it. You were saying all these nice things about Trump in the first hour today, same thing. And then, second hour, you're like... 55% 55% of the people won't vote for Trump. He just can't win. And I was like, ah, he's driving me nuts. Kevin, throwing the challenge flag. I love it. Well, listen, this is my take, okay? It's not a commentary on Trump. Like a lot of people, he, I feel like they almost hear this the wrong way. So I'll try to do a better job of saying it. But I'm not telling you it's not a it's not a commentary on Trump, the guy. It's a commentary on these people. Like there are people, Kevin, that really hate this dude and in an unhealthy way, like in a way that's unhealthy for them and in a way that's not factually informed. But what I'm saying is it's very hard to have a rational conversation with people who are calling the guy Hitler. OK, 
there's no comparison between anything going on in America today and Hitler. Okay, there's a strong comparison between all the companies they're doing business with in China, uh, but there's no comparison between Trump and Hitler. And that's what I'm trying to say is these people have it in their head. He's a criminal. Mm -hmm. He's everything in between. So I don't doubt he can win the Republican nomination. Um, I don't know about the general, though. But what do you think? I mean, that's that's the whole point of the show. Yeah, so three things came to mind I wanted to squeeze in. I mean, I was – my high school has won eight out of the last ten football championships in Iowa, and they've been doing that for 50 years. And when I was there 40 years ago, the coaches said, you know, the first first step to – to winning is thinking you can. The first step to failure is thinking you can't. And anybody who says can't, he says, we're going to send you home. And that's the mindset that's got them to success. I'm kind of like Joe Montana when he was losing by 35 playing for Notre Dame in the mm-hmm. Cotton Bowl mm-hmm. at halftime, and he came back and won the game. Uh-huh. There's not much that can deter me. But, but, uh, but regarding the polls, I mean, Trump lost by 45,000 votes in a handful of states. I mean, you can yeah. get nation, nationwide polls, but the problem is they include California yep. and New York, and what percentage of that 55% that hate him are from states that really don't matter. Yes. Um, another thing along those lines, I remember back in 2016, an African-American friend of mine that we like to cajole with each other, uh, uh, he's a salesman in an in a, in a auto repair shop, mm-hmm. and he's not really political like me, and I was promoting you know, Trump. This is 20, before 2016 election. Yeah. He says, you know, Kevin, why, why is it you think Trump can win? Nobody likes him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, Jim, in your circle – yeah. Nobody likes him. But then when Trump won, they actually bet on it. And I came walking in, they're all cheering and handing money to the loser or winner or whatever. <laughs> you know? You know? Yeah. And, and see, what I, what I learned at the University of Iowa in my sociology or social psychology class, I can't remember, is that your whole circle of friends can have a mindset. And keep in mind, you guys are in New York City, probably one of the most anti-Trump oh, cities yeah. in the country. Mm-hmm. And everybody around you is pumping this, pumping that. But I grew up in Iowa. I live oh. in Virginia. Oh. And in Iowa, I saw on Fox News the other day, Trump has an 80% favorable rating. Oh, yeah, definitely. In New Hampshire, I saw a poll. He said he's plus 41 in the GOP nomination. Mm-hmm. Now you can say, well, it's that's early. the nomination. One, one thing I want to squeeze in about that. Yep. Your, caller, your last caller talking about this, he said, well, he thinks Trump's going to win the nomination. Okay. Well, if he is, then keep saying he can't win the general well, that's just kind of screwing us all Republicans. It's hurting us. The well, mind, listen, you know, we everyone, everybody Trump. calling really quick, Kevin, is going to support Trump if he wins the nomination. There's no none of these people out there that are like, oh, if Trump gets it, they're going to vote. They're not going to vote Democrat. And they're not going to sit the election out because the Democrats are screwing the country up too much. They're just trying to figure out which candidate gives us the best chance of appealing to the voters we don't have on board. So your passion, I think, is good. I think it's well-placed, and I think it's justified. Uh, and I think we're just going to continue to have this conversation. Let me run up to New Hampshire really quick before the break. Brian is in Merrimack, New Hampshire. Uh, Brian, what say you, my friend? Brian and Merrimack, New Hampshire. Hey, Jimmy, yep. love you, man. How Thanks, much time buddy. do I have? Uh, let's do it in a minute because we're going to lose the bottom of the hour. But go go get them. You got it. So I'm in New Hampshire. I'm, I can't wait to work my ass. I can't say yep. that. I can't wait to work my arse off for Governor DeSantis. Uh, Trump, man, he was great for the four years. Um, he just makes the point that you can't act like an a-hole and expect to ingratiate yourself to voters. Even just that statement that he put out a couple days ago uh, or yesterday, whatever it was, yeah. about uh, horse face, whatever, yeah. Stormy Daniels. I mean, is it's he really going to get any more voters? No. I mean, 
with with language like that. So what he needs to do uh, is stand aside, in my opinion, and let a guy like DeSantis, who has a nice image, who's palatable to voters, yes. let him get the nomination. He has a great record in Florida. He can bring it to the rest of the country. And I'm going to do everything in my power in the first in the nation primary state of New Hampshire to make Whoa. that happen. Whoa, Brian, you just lost our last caller, but I think you made good points. <laughs> Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it is. We are fired up to bring you a big hour, an embarrassment of radio riches in this hour of Fox Across America. Sean Davis, he's the CEO of The Federalist. Uh, He is a good friend of this program, and he is not happy with anything going on in Washington, D.C. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! It really is a theme on today's show. I'm in a great mood. Uh, You're welcome to join me regardless of what mood you happen to be in. Uh, This show very much in all skate, where you can believe what you want, you can support what you want. Uh, It's a talk show host. You know, just show up and just be cool. That's all we need out of you. Nothing more, nothing less. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what color you are. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how dumb you are. No, ma'am. You can be a Republican, be a Democrat. Just don't be a That is what we say. Every hour, every day on the damn show. And before the show proceeds, we've got political stuff to get into. We've got some culture war nonsense to address. But I have to shout out William Shatner. William Shatner, Captain Kirk, is 92 years old today. <laughs> Now, I have to tell you really quick, it's one of my favorite things that ever happened to me in show business was I got a chance to work for William Shatner. When I was still a cab driver doing comedy, uh, I had started to appear pretty regularly on a TV show uh, called Gotham Comedy Live. It was filmed at the Gotham Comedy Club down here in New York City, and I had demonstrated, I guess, a level of proficiency at joke writing uh, that got me to a place where they had appointed me the celebrity monologue writer. And what that meant is every week on Gotham Comedy Live, it was a Thursday night TV show. It aired on Axis TV. It was a network owned by Mark Cuban, and it would air live from the Gotham Comedy Club. And to get it an audience, because they were putting on a lot of lesser-known names like myself, they would bring in somebody who wasn't a comedian per se but had a following. So you might say like Pamela Anderson or David Hasselhoff or, you know, but this particular week in question, William Shatner. And as the guy tasked with writing their monologues, what had ultimately happened to me is in the summer of 2015, I was over, excuse me, it's 2016 because it was my 10-year wedding anniversary. I'm going to get in trouble if I get that wrong. But it was the summer of 2016. Jenny and I took the only foreign trip we've ever taken. Like, uh, at the time. We'd never gone anywhere. Most of the foreign travel I've done is at Epcot. Like, I go down to Florida and go to the pretend countries. But I've only actually left America to go to Canada, uh, Italy, and Ireland. I haven't been to a million places. I've been to every, pretty much every state in this country doing stand-up on tour and everything in between. But I really haven't done a lot of foreign travel. So when Jenny and I were over in Rome to celebrate our 10-year wedding anniversary, an anniversary we were shocked to have reached, both of us had bet the under in Vegas. We both took an under a year and a half and lost that bet. So the fact that we had made it to 10 years, we were so stunned by the progress. We were like, well, we might as well go celebrate, I guess. I guess this means we're stuck together. And uh, we went over to Europe. Well, anyway, I was over in Rome. And again, for me, 
on a cab driver slash comedian's salary, this is real highfalutin for a guy like me. This is a big deal because you don't get to do a lot of these. And uh, we were at uh, the forum, the Augustus Forum, which is down the block from the Coliseum. And we were on top of the Forum Hotel. They have a bar. Uh, where you can go and you can eat hors d'oeuvres and the bar is open, you can drink and you can smoke cigars. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life. I will tell you, fat, drunk, and stupid was a glorious way to go through Rome. So I was sitting on the rooftop of the forum and, you know, ostensibly off from work, and I got a phone call from a guy who said it was William Shatner. Now, I was hammered. He's like, Jimmy Phyllis is William Shatner, Captain Kirk. We've got a problem on the Starship Enterprise. And that was his opener. And I was like, oh, my God, no way. Wait, stop it. And I said to him, hey, man, I'm day drunk in Rome. Uh, but this sounds very convincing, so I'm going to go along with it and indulge this conversation. And lo and behold, he mentioned all the right people, uh, the producers of the show that I was working with, the comedy club where it was filmed, the people who were managing my stand-up career at the time. And I was like, wow, Captain Kirk wants me to fly home and write a joke monologue for him for this TV show. How incredible is this, Jenny? And Jenny was just like, you know, your zipper's open, you drunk slob. <laughs> but anyway, we had a long talk about it. We uh, realized that it was, in fact, William Shatner, and I flew back uh, across the world at the end of the trip. We didn't cut the trip short, but I flew home to work with William Shatner for a week on this TV show and write him a joke monologue. And when we got together for our first meeting, he did the coolest thing any celebrity has ever done when I was tasked with writing for them. I said, I always do this out of the get-go because, you know, these guys have endorsements. They're on certain TV channels. You know, they're probably issues they might want to steer clear of if they're divorced or something like that. So I said to William Shatner the first time we met, I said, hey, man, are there any jokes are there any, like, off-limits subjects you don't want me to mention because you don't want me to, like, dredge up anything problematic? And at the time, this was his age, he goes, listen, kid, he goes, I'm 85, and I don't give a <laughs> That's what he said to me. He goes, I'm 85, and I don't give a So that became his joke monologue on Gotham Comedy Live. I, bo- I wrote him a lot of silly jokes that he delivered as well as anyone's ever delivered a joke monologue. Best person I've ever written for in terms of talent. I would say him and Kennedy. There's nobody in their class. And just nailed every joke. But the through line was if he said something off color and the audience was like, ho, ho, he was like, I'm 85 and I don't give a And it was fantastic. Brought down the house. My mom was there. My Aunt Fran was there. Jenny was there. It was really epic. It was a wild night in my career. And he was such a cool guy. And when we were alone in the green room, just he and I, getting ready to do the show because the other comics are in their own green room and everything like that. Uh, He was like genuinely concerned, like for my well-being, meaning like how you doing? Are you making a living? Is your family getting by? Because William Shatner, as prosperous as he is, you know, live long and prosper, he has certainly done both. Uh, He had been at a place in showbiz where he was not prospering. You know, when Star Trek originally aired on TV in the late 60s, it went off the air and it didn't have the renowned following that it does now. And there was a time there in the early 70s where he was living in his car. And ultimately, when when Star Wars went into reruns and syndication on television, it created a big market for the movie version of Star Wars. And the next thing you know, William Shatner, who was living in his car, was now... So he killed it, and he was making all that money and, you know, had become the star we knew and went on to star in a show called T.J. Hooker. And he had a joke in his act where he's like, you know... Starting a show called T.J. Hooker. 
Of course, today you can't say hooker. You have to say Kardashian. Boom! Shatner for the win! Uh, But he was great. He was fantastic. And he was just a great guy to work with. And he had such a genuine intellectual curiosity into my well-being and what made me tick. And uh, for that, it always kind of stuck with me. You know how they say, you know, you can tell, you know, the true measure of a celebrity based on how they interact with the little people? Well, then in that instance, I was very much the little people, uh, and he couldn't have been better. So to William Shatner, I say happy 92nd birthday. In fact, the happiest one allowable by law. Now, if I was writing him a monologue today, it might... Overlap with some commentary issued yesterday by Charlemagne the God. Now, Charlemagne is a syndicated morning show host in New York, host of The Breakfast Club. Uh, He is doing the show that famously is the one where Hillary Clinton pandered to the black vote and openly admitted to it because she claimed to carry hot sauce in her purse. Hot sauce. Really? Yes. That was Hillary. Get her out. Get her out of here. And she was made fun of that because she walked around for saying, you know, I carry hot sauce around in my purse everywhere I go. You're not telling me the truth. No, she doesn't. That was actual cultural stereotyping and almost insulting the black voter by saying that. It's like when Jill Biden flew down to San Antonio and said what? Well, you guys are a bunch of breakfast tacos. Oh, shut up, woman. That's what they said. They were like, wait, what? That's not how this works. You don't just get my vote for naming things that are part of our culture, but that's what the Democrats consider voter outreach, which is just going into a community and mentioning something cultural and being like, well, will you vote for me now? It's embarrassing, but they do it every single time. Democrats are so full of crap. But something Charlemagne said about Democrats specifically and something that will undoubtedly make waves, and I applaud him for making them, is he was talking about the trans issue that has been coming up a lot lately. And the reason it's coming up a lot is because they're being very cavalier with the well-being of our children. Okay, it is barbaric that anyone would encourage a minor to take puberty blockers and change their gender. It is barbaric simply because the person, the child, has not had a chance to fully develop and grow into who they're going to become. Okay, now that doesn't mean they can't transition when they get older. I am not anti-trans. I am not wishing harm on any of these people. But the point that we have some on the left that are aggressively encouraging a new civil rights movement through surgery. Okay, nobody's marginalized in this country anymore. We've elected a black president twice. Okay, we have a female vice president right now, the first female vice president, also the first woman of color to be vice president. And she happens to be so dumb she studied for a COVID test. But the point is we have truly reached an age where anyone can be anything in America. So now they're trying to manufacture new anyone's. That's what this is. Okay, if you're trans, be trans. I tolerate it. I think it's great and everything in between. But when they take trans ideology and they push it on young kids, they're doing it because they know a lot of us will push back, at which point they can claim we're transphobic. We're hateful. We're bigoted, just like they do when it comes to racism. Democrats just call everyone racist so they go along with their stupid ideas. Totally. So what happens is, okay, when they put forth an idea like this, okay, a lot of people don't want to criticize it because of the blowback. They don't want to get the social pressure of like, oh, you're hateful. Oh, you're transphobic. Folks, the USA Today just named a biological man they're women of the year. That is so embarrassing. Not only embarrassing, but it's, to be honest with you, it's an erasure of women. At an age where they tell you it's cultural appropriation, if you get a haircut that isn't traditional to your ethnicity, it's okay to claim an entire gender 
that's not traditional to your biology? I mean, that's what you're dealing with. That is balderdash and hogwash and mm-hmm. So what ultimately happens here is you get people who speak out from time to time like Charlemagne did. So basically what he said is he was on his radio show and he defended the Vermont Christian. It was a girls high school basketball team. They were banned from state tournaments because they didn't want to play against a team with a trans athlete on its roster. And what that ostensibly means in that instance is that they had a male on the visiting women's team and they didn't want to play against a male because there are distinct biological differences between men and women. Only girls can be the mommies. Only boys can be the daddies. Yes, sir. So understand, getting past the whole birthing prospect, it's the fact that men biologically, this is not hateful, this is not bigotry, this is not misogyny, Okay, but men have an advantage over women, a physical advantage. Okay, when you look at the winner of the New York City Marathon, he beats the winner, the male winner beats the female winner, okay, by about a half hour. Just think about that. The male winner beats the female. When you look at Leah Thomas, Leah Thomas was almost the 400th ranked male swimmer in America, jumped into the pool in a bikini and was the number one swimmer in town. Not even a great particular male. I mean, when you think about women's soccer, okay, a high school JV soccer team will beat the women's national team. The JV boys team will beat the women's national team because they have a biological advantage. That's not me denigrating women. That's not me saying women suck. That's me saying the Democrats who are forcing women to compete against men who have a biological advantage are the ones marginalizing and erasing women. So what Charlemagne basically said on his show, okay, is that this school was right. Whoever they were playing against, I got to see the stats. If this person is averaging 55 points, 17 rebounds and 22 blocks, I'm not playing against them either. That's not fair. At which point, of course, there was a big blowback on social media, which is like, oh, hell no. That's anti-trans. That's bigotry. No, it's, to be honest with you. It's totally false. No, it's not. It's sticking up for women. And this is the dumb moment we happen to be living in right now. We're living in an era where the Democrats are purporting to care about people by harming them. Hey, the Republicans are a bunch of misogynists. We love ladies. That's why all of the athletic endeavors they've pursued their whole lives are now going to be met with a disadvantage when they get onto the field. You know, the Democrats, hey, the Republicans, they're a bunch of racists. That's why we're going to defund the police and up the black murder rate by 35 percent. Do you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black? Totally. And the reason I come back to this again and again and again is I've raised a kid and I've watched a kid develop and have a chance to evolve as a person. Lincoln hated sports his whole life. At the age of 12, he fell in love with sports. He's now a sports junkie. Okay, in the last two years, he completely transformed his interests. Okay, that is going to happen to every kid, not just mine. So the idea that we're doing this to five-year-olds to me is barbaric. But the idea that we're doing to women at all is a scam because men have a huge advantage. And people like Charlemagne who call that out should be applauded.
swimmer down in Georgia And he wasn't very fast, he never won And I ain't much of an athlete, so we discussed Transition now, I win a ton on Fox Across America. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Here is your president, Joe Biden, trying his hand at poetry yesterday. This is clip 15. This is interesting. Oh, oh, 15? Okay, we'll get back to it in a second. Um... Clip, it's clip 15 when we get there. But we have uh, Biden. I'll, I'll play for Sean Davis when we come back. Sean Davis was uh, the CEO of the Federalists at the beginning of the show. I do believe he still is. Uh, he's in a little bit of a battle with Senator John Cornyn, who is uh, apparently upset that Davis wants there to be some type of oversight and auditing of all this money we're sending to Ukraine. So it's going to be a pretty interesting get-together, uh, a get-together that will probably culminate in uh, some discussion of Joe Biden's poetry. Because what happened is last night I was on with Laura Ingram on the Ingram angle. And last night on Ingram, we were reacting to this clip where Biden, it's so weird, but he keeps doing this thing, whether he's on a teleprompter or off a teleprompter, where he just quits. (laughs) It's just like, you know the soundbite I've played you before? You know, the rapidly rising... uh, um uh, in with, uh, with, uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's like, you know, I laugh because it's a coping mechanism, but it's like, how much longer do we have to pretend that, you know, you're being led by someone who just quits talking in the middle of the sentence? Like, you know what? I was going to say this. Nah. We have a president that is clearly not all there. What a time to be alive. Richard Blanco uh, returned to a poem he wrote from the second inaugural of Rock and Me. And every window on every in, of every county, country, I'm, let me start this over again. Mm-hmm. On every window of one country, county, county. <laughs> Star poet Joe Biden, also known as Smell Silverstein, because, you know, he likes to sniff the kids, uh, trying to give a go of it uh, at a poetry reading yesterday. It didn't quite work out. Uh, joining us now, CEO of The Federalist. I don't know that they do poetry over at The Federalist, but if anyone does know, it is the CEO and co-founder, Sean Davis. Hey, girl, how you doing? I'm good. No, we don't do poetry because poetry's stupid unless it's a limerick, in which case I'm all for it. <laughs> Well, I think I figured out last night why the Democrats want the drag queens reading to kids. They can't let the president. That's right. He must have been taught by Dr. Jill Biden. Fancy, <laughs> uh, 
education doctorate. You read that thing? Yes. You read her dissertation? Ah, oh, my favorite. Do you remember then, since we're doing this, do you remember when Whoopi Goldberg once recommended Jill Biden for Surgeon General? And she goes, Oh, she's a great doctor. Yeah. She's a great doctor. <laughs> she's like, Dr. Jill, because she's a good doctor. And somebody's like, Yeah, I don't know if it's medical. And she's like, Oh. <laughs> Oh, so funny, man. Uh, Sean Davis, good to hear your voice. can't trust Whoopi. Who can't we trust? <laughs> so our, our Walter Cronkite, uh, Whoopi Goldberg, or Joy Behar. Um, let me ask you this. Have, have, have they set up a grief hotline for people over the cancellation of this Trump grand jury today? Oh, I don't think so yet. I, I think the uh, the jury is still out on that, womp womp, because uh, <laughs> I think they're still going to come back and nail Trump. I, I don't think they can – get this far and not do it. It's like the, the Trump derangement syndrome version of Chekhov's gun. Uh-huh. Once you got indictment on the table, you throw that out in act one. He, he's got to get <laughs> indicted and arrested by act three. Oh, I did. But I, I was trying to explain to my audience earlier in the day, like this, it, people talk about emotions on the right if he gets handcuffed, but emotions on the left, if he doesn't, are going to be running high. Like this is the number one turn on for people who live in blue cities, you know, white, you know, rich liberal elites, fan about this. I know people who hire hookers and ask them to dress up as Trump in handcuffs. It's nuts. Oh, uh, <laughs> I don't even know how to follow that. No, you're not supposed to. That's that's not that's that's my mess. I'll I'll own it. I will raise my hand like when someone commits a foul in a basketball game. But it's a truism, and I can tell you this goes back to my days of driving a cab. People would get in and just go off on this dude. It was really fascinating, but. I also bring it up for one other reason, because I think there's this reality that, you know, they want to charge him in other places. Like they want to charge him down in Georgia. You know, do you remember the girl who was the four person of that grand jury who did the media tour and was a little out there? Oh, she was a little out there. <laughs> the eye rolls. Aliens are a little out there. That, that chick was bonkers. She was the one who was fantasizing about getting to swear Trump in and how she just like giggled like a schoolgirl at the prospect. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, we all remember her. Yeah, well the the issue they're having down there is if this indictment comes to be, like it's not going to go anywhere. Okay? For this thing to happen, it's already passed the statute of limitations. They have to upgrade a misdemeanor to a felony because it buys them more time under that statute of limitations. There's an unproven, you know, legal triple lindy that needs to be completed for this dive to score. And uh, it's not going to happen, but it would ultimately make the lift that much heavier down in Georgia. So in a weird way, I guess the question I'm trying to ask you is, do you see this helping Trump on any level or is any type of criminal indictment a negative in the long term? No, I I don't think it helps. I've read a lot of the commentary that Mm -hmm. this is Dems trying to make sure that he becomes the nominee. I, I, I can promise you. Democrats are not doing anything that they think is going to help Trump. Yeah. Everything they're doing is meant to terrorize him, to make him miserable, to make him radioactive. And, and I think it's important for people to understand what, what they're watching play out isn't actually about Trump. Mm-hmm. Yes, he is the, the, the target of their ire right now. This is about eliminating their, their political opposition in total. We, we've seen how they handle J6, mm-hmm. going after people who walked through – uh, an open door held open by them for police into a public building during operating hours. They're throwing them in prison for years. Yeah. This is their vision for they for how they handle all of us. And so I know there are a lot of people who don't like Trump and are sick of him, and they see this and they kind of shrug their shoulders and say, "Yeah, whatever, uh, not my problem." 
No, it is your problem because they're not stopping with Trump. This is the beginning. This is the appetizer. This ain't dessert. Yeah, no. <laughs> Sean Davis is on the phone, CEO and co-founder of The Federalist. Uh, a publication took a, you took a little heat yesterday. I believe it was John Cornyn. What are you? What is your? What is the accusation here that you're not supporting Ukraine enough? Because most of my callers are with you. Yeah, it's funny. He was um, Ron DeSantis criticized Biden, the Biden McConnell foreign policy, and mm. so here comes John Cornyn, like Leroy Jenkinsing, into the conversation <laughs> to defend his boy Zelensky. By attacking Ron DeSantis, so that's okay. how this all started. Okay, and then I came in, you know, uh, you know, t- tagged myself in, hopped over the rope, and, <laughs> and called him an idiot for for recycling this stupid war propaganda on behalf of his Ukrainian BFF. And then he came back and called me Neville Chamberlain, oh, which I mean, I'm proud of him for understanding one historical reference. I mean, <laughs> I feel like for for people of of his inkling. Uh, World War II and Hitler references offer the same function as Harry Potter does for millennials. <laughs> it's the only thing they can compare anything to. They're <laughs> Harry Potter, and everyone else is Voldemort, and then maybe if they're feeling frisky, they'll pretend to be Dumbledore. <laughs> so yeah, we have, we have John Cornyn out there calling me a Nazi sympathizer, because I think, you know what, maybe starting World War III over this Ukrainian kleptocrat, not in our interest. No, I, listen, and, I, and I'm with you, and I think we've had this conversation with our callers before. Dude, it's so psychotic what we're at the precipice of right now and everybody's telling the united states to do this most of the nato members still aren't paying up number one number two you just have the reality that you've got xi jinping hanging out with putin now and you're a miscalculation away from god knows what and i think the biggest though i think if you were to ask the american people i don't even know that people are thinking in world war ii terms uh, excuse me world war three terms in terms of potential conflict i think they're just looking at the money i think if you just go back to the basis of the money and the fact that we're not auditing any of this money we're just being told we're nazis if we want to know where it's going like doesn't that kind of rub you the wrong way especially when you juxtapose it against the iraq war and everything else well that's what i found so grating is this week is the 20th anniversary of the launch of the iraq war which i think we can agree in hindsight was a disaster Mm -hmm. it was a disaster for our troops who did the best they could under awful conditions and paid the price for a decision that never should have been made. It was disastrous for the region. It was disastrous for our national security. And yet we have John Cornyn, who was elected just months before he voted for that war, uh, and, and voted for it under the rationale that, remember, if we don't fight them there, we'll have to fight them here. <laughs> he said the exact same thing to me. If we don't fight the Russians there, we're going to have to fight them here. No, we're not. No, 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 John. They're, they're not planning to parachute into America <laughs> and take over Houston. Like the invasion we need to worry about in Texas, by the way, is the one that's happening on his southern border yeah. because the border has been dissolved and we have Chinese nationals and fentanyl flooding over the border. But what he's worried about is sending another tranche of $100 billion to shore up Zelensky's borders, not our own. And I just find it absolutely enraging how out of touch these guys are. No, I'm with you. Sean Davis is on the line. It drives me crazy because if you just talk to the average American person, they're not on Putin's side. That's not how, you know, it's of course how it would get characterized on the left, but that's not the point we're trying to make. The point we're trying to make is there is a real, like a genuine dereliction of duty when it comes to protecting this country that I've never seen. Like I understand the Democrats are, you know, been indifferent to the border in the past and they see it as a political liability, immigration. They like to run on it that no 
nobody wants to fix it. But I've never just brazenly seen a disregard where we've slandered border agents. At one point, they made up a story about border agents whipping migrants just to take the conversation away from the border. But that, like, literally has gotten Americans killed. But nobody's ringing that bell. Like, nobody's asking them to shore up the policy. That's the part that makes a lot of people, you know, feel the way you do when it comes to somebody like John Cornyn being like, Ukraine or bust. It's like, dude, if our banks are collapsing, I can think of something better to do with our money than shore up Ukrainian pensions. Yeah, it's this weird thing. You know, it used to be 20, 30 years ago, you could judge Dems on foreign policy by seeing how much something would help us. And if something was totally in our interest, they were generally opposed to it, but they were super in favor of doing stuff that we had no interest in because it made them feel good. They could Mm. brag about it. We want to do this thing and it's not even helping us. And, and for a long time, the Republicans were a counterbalance on that. But something happened over the last 20, 30 years where a huge chunk of Republicans decided that the best foreign policy is the one that puts our security interests last. And that, to me, is the only thing that explains this Ukrainian obsession with the obsession with explaining away China leaking, uh, having the lab leak for, the, for COVID. Yep. Um, it's the only thing that explains them not caring about our borders. They judge the worth of their policy by how little it actually helps this country. It's so bananas. We're talking to Sean Davis, CEO and co-founder of The Federalist. And that's like a uniparty thing because you're right. Like if you I, I know you remember McConnell saying like this was a top priority of the GOP was, you know, limitless funding for Ukraine for all intents and purposes. And people just don't feel that way here. And that's the part that I think is so frustrating. And I think that's the real challenge going forward is, you know, regardless of where people weigh in on Trump. There's not a not, there's not a lot of options out there in terms of somebody who's not just going to go along to get along with the uniparty. Taking like a 20,000 foot view of where we're at, we're a long way from having to make a decision in 2024, including the Republican primary. But the, at the very least, does DeSantis strike you as someone who's going to upset the apple cart if he winds up being the standard bearer? Or does he strike you or concern you as someone who's going to go along to get along? I'm always concerned with people going along to get to get along because mm-hmm. I've been in this business for 20 years and mm-hmm. it seems to happen to everyone. Mm-hmm. But that having been said, you just had to look at the reaction from the Uniparty when DeSantis criticized the current Ukraine policy. Yeah, they lost their minds yes, over it. <laughs> so the fact that he was willing to come out and trigger these people to me is a good sign. But but I'm always reticent to go all in because I remember watching Bush in the mm-hmm. debates in 2000, George W. Bush mm-hmm. chastising Al Gore. Uh, after the the whole Bosnian war thing and saying America is not in the business of nation building. And that was awesome. He was correct. It just turns out he didn't believe in any of it. So (laughs) I'm always hesitant with these candidates. Um, But I will say I would prefer them saying the right things um, and then we have to keep them in line than them starting out like a lot of people and just wanting to fight all the wars everywhere for eternity. Yeah, that's the worst part of this whole thing. It drives me crazy. But you see it like even like with the cartels. I was watching Lindsey Graham yesterday. He's like, oh, we just got to go send the military into Mexico. Lindsey Graham wants to invade everything. Like he's like the real housewife of Washington, D.C. He just wants to throw a wine glass at somebody. But it's expensive and there's probably a way around. Like, so my question to you is like, you know, when, as it pertains to the cartels, wouldn't you try to secure the border before we try to physically fight the cartels? Yes, absolutely. You would think that securing your own border might be like a day one kind of thing you want to take care of. Like yeah. you go and buy a new house and all the plumbing's leaking. Uh-huh. Like you probably go fix the plumbing before you start yelling at the neighbor about his yard. <laughs> and, and yet we're not doing that. And, and it's just, 
it's so crazy to me. You know, Mexico is obviously a failed state. It's mm. a narco state. Mm. Um, maybe we should insulate ourselves from those problems as opposed to just opening the door wide open and then saying, well, the only solution now is another uh, military invasion. That's that's just it's insanity. Yeah, it drives me crazy. I'm like, we don't have to go to Mexico. We have to go to Home Depot. Just build a freaking wall, shore up the border, and we don't need another, you know, we need another invasion against the cartels. It's really, it is. It's crazy to me. But that's the part that does frighten me is there's a lot of people that are just, they're so hawkish in Washington and there's so much money to be made and everything in between. And I don't doubt, you know how with COVID and all the PPE money, it took us like a year to figure out that like, you know, five billion of it was probably a scam. Like, what do you think? If me and you were spitballing on the money we've sent to Ukraine, what percentage of this money do you think will ultimately found to have been laundered or unaccounted for? What would you say that what's a 80%. fair percent? Would you say 80? Wow. 80 percent. I was going to say I was going to say like 40, 45. Do you legit you legit think 80 percent is just flying out the window? That's it's just absolutely gone. You know, we're, we're paying $10 for $1 bullets is what I <laughs> That's crazy. It's people driving around on the other, other countries in the world in Lamborghinis that have vanity plates that say, like, protect democracy and stuff like that. Crazy. Yeah, and it hurt. It, it actually makes me sad to yeah. be so cynical. Mm-hmm. But I've watched what has happened over the last twenty years. Mm-hmm. I watched what they did in Afghanistan. Yep. I, I saw how they treated the lives of our own men and women in the military, mm-hmm. and, and they didn't even care about thirteen of their own people getting blown up by a suicide bomber. They could have nope. stopped. You know what they did? Mm-hmm. They went and bombed another random Afghan family to change the story right before giving the Taliban $100 billion worth of our equipment. Yeah, nobody. So you will have to forgive me for not <laughs> trusting the financial prowess and stewardship of the people that are for some reason in charge of our country right now. No, no, and I'll, I'll give you this because to me, this is just horse sense. For me, it's not even politics. When you're spending that kind of money and you just say, hey, can we uh, get some type of accounting for what this is for? If their response is to start screaming at you that you're a Kremlin puppet and you work for Putin, I'm like, oh, I get it. So everyone's full of it. You know, and that's that's the tell. It, it goes no further than that. If you're asking for an ex- explanation and they're screaming at you about everything but the explanation, that's generally the tell. One last question. OK, there is a teacher strike looming out in Los Angeles. Do you have any plans to join the flash mobs that are filming videos on online right now? Uh, I, I generally try not to join flash mobs, but I mean, more power to them. Heaven knows. They really outworked themselves in 2020, <laughs> and 2021, and 2022. I think they've earned some time off. I mean, there's only so much rosé these women can drink in their pajamas before you have to give them a timeout, right? Look, if they can't go do TikTok dance videos when they're supposed to be working, the terrorists have already won. <laughs> what are we even fighting for? I'll let the troops know to come home. Uh, Sean Davis, epic as always. You still got it, man. I'll see you soon, brother. Thank you, sir. You're the best. There you go, Sean Davis. There we go back after this. It's the show that never hits the books. I love the poorly educated. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Bottom of the ninth on Fox Across America, girl. If you're looking to see me on the TV tonight when this is over... No, ma'am. I am going home, and I am packing on the pounds. No TV diet tonight. We are pulling the goalie. That boy is a P.I.G. pig. I don't care. A night off for the champ. 
Go cook, hang out with the Link Man, probably kick his ass in Madden. Shut your mouth. Who even knows? But we'll be back all over the place tomorrow. Be on the live Hannity tomorrow night and all that fun stuff in between. I'll be on with Stuart Varney in the morning at 11 a.m. Uh, but the big point I was going to make before I went today is we didn't have any grand jury activity here in New York as it pertains to the Donald Trump in looming indictment. They want to tell you it's a looming indictment. Now, the jury is on standby for tomorrow, which means they're not definitively coming in tomorrow either, which means they're having some type of a second thought, whether they go through with it or not. Okay, their biggest problem with this charge is it has no chance of landing, which will ultimately undermine any other charge other jurisdictions hope to bring against Trump as it'll all look like a political motivation. Like, to be clear, okay, them charging Trump is a complete waste of time. It's just them emotionally needing to do this for themselves. But in terms of the case, there's no chance. It's a, you know, it's a misdemeanor. They're trying to upgrade to a felony. It's already passed the statute of limitations, and it hangs on an interpretation of the rule that's never been tried in court before. So I don't know where this is going to play out tomorrow, but the problem is their key witness is Michael Cohen, who's already been convicted for lying under oath. So fundamentally, there really isn't a case, and it would appear, at least for the short term anyway, that they've encouraged them to accept reality. Tomorrow, of course, is another day, though, so we'll see what happens. Until then, be a Republican, be a Democrat, just don't be a... Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.